Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people. Learn more about our next 633 event, the live stream church services, the Walk in Truth podcast, how to donate, and how to find us on social media when you visit walkintruth.com. Now here's part two of Pastor Michael's teaching in Galatians 4, verses 8 through 11, called Two Steps Forward, One Step Back. When you first become a Christian, hey, everything's new, and that's beautiful, and that's the way it should be. But there's a cost. Jesus said, count the cost. Who builds a building without first calculating the cost? Who goes to war without first examining whether or not you can win the battle? And there's a cost to being a Christian. Secondly, why do people relapse? Familiarity. Let's face it, sometimes we've been so used to certain triggers. We get triggered to stress. We get triggered to fear. And we go back to things that make us comfortable. For some people, they, they abuse drugs. For other people, it might be that they go back and they eat a gallon of ice cream. Can I get a witness? <laughs> anyway, frozen yogurt. You can, you can fill in the blanks here. And of course, it gets much more serious than that, right? Because for some Christians, they're tempted to go back to pornography. They're tempted to go back to a lot of things. Thinking that maybe somehow that will be the answer. Cost, maybe familiarity. One writer says, The pre-Christian experiences of Jews and Gentiles were decidedly different, but Paul thinks of both of them as times of enslavement. This is Wilson. He says, For some it dawns on them that to go any further would require more than they want to give. So we glanced over our shoulder at the past and concluded it would be easier simply to turn around and head back rather than to continue and move forward in the face of difficulties. This is where the Galatians are, perhaps where you are or have been. They find themselves in a tough spot. The way forward doesn't look either obvious or easy. So they decided to turn back to what's familiar, close quote. And one of the things that's been pounding at the Galatian Christians is false teaching. They've had people come into town and say, it's not as easy as the Apostle Paul has made it sound. You must do this to be saved. You must be circumcised. You must keep the laws of Moses. You must have a kosher diet. And on and on it goes. And so some were turning back. Some were heading back to the old familiar things. But Paul says it's an enslavement. It was a time when you didn't know God. You were not free. And the Bible tells us that not everyone that uh, is just simply walking the planet is a child of God. A little while back, we did a memorial service for a young man, died in his early 20s. And this place was filled with a lot of people, and the uncle of this young man gave the eulogy. And it was a heavy, sad service. And the uncle stood up, and he said these words. After saying a lot of different things, he said to this crowd, Not everyone is going to heaven. It's not an automatic and it was about as quiet in the room as it is right now. And this room was filled with a lot of people that are not regularly in church. And when the words left his mouth on a human level, I was even uncomfortable. 
Although I've said the same words so many times I've lost count to warn people about the reality of heaven and hell. But when they left his mouth, I was like, ooh. It kind of even made me a little uncomfortable. Not everybody, and we're talking about someone who's just died and people are mourning and it's difficult. But let me ask you a question, brethren. How many people, a couple years removed from those words being spoken in a place like this, are probably thinking about those words? Now, we could get up here and say, oh, everybody's okay. Everybody's going to make it in the end. Everybody will just be up with the Lord and looking down on us. And we, and we, can, we can comfort ourselves and pat ourselves on the back all day long. But the question is, is that true? Or is that just us trying to make everybody, including ourselves, feel comfortable without rocking the boat? See, not everybody's going to end up in heaven because not everybody knows God. In fact, Jesus shared some um, parables where he is pictured as the king or the bridegroom, and he says to people knocking on the door, depart from me, I never knew you. I don't know you. I don't know you, and you don't know me, so depart from me. And I'll tell you, these are some of the verses that are so strong and so sobering that they make us go, wow. And they come from the lips of Jesus. I don't know you. I don't know who you are. So this becomes obviously so significant that we are no longer slaves. We are sons. We are heirs. But in order to be there, we had to come to Christ to be set free. Their slavery, if you look at verse 8, was to false gods, to those which by nature are no gods. Now, this is a, an important theological point. Please mark this down. There is only one God by nature, okay? Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, the one true God by nature. There are other so-called gods. Write down in your notes 1 Corinthians 8, 5, and 6 where there are so-called gods, lords many, gods many, in, at least in the world, right? Like in the Roman pantheon or the Greek pantheon of gods and goddesses. Lords many, gods many, but with a small g. There is only one true God, keyword by nature. Within himself, he is God. Now you can make a god out of anything, right? You can make an idol pretty much out of anything, but there's only one true God by nature, Galatians 4.8. And those who were previously non-Christians, which, you know, obviously that's a very wide category, they were subservient, these Galatian believers, to the gods they formerly served. They served other gods. Write down for your notes, I don't have time to go there. Joshua 24.2 and 14 and 15, where Joshua essentially says, hey, your fathers served the false gods on the other side of the river. Choose this day whom you will serve. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Here's the, here's the truth. We served in our previous non-Christian life false gods. Now, we may not have thought we were doing that, but when we worship the creature rather than the creator who's blessed forevermore, Romans 1, 
when we did things that had to do with uh, worshiping ourselves or buying into the popular notions of the culture. We were serving the God of this age. 2 Corinthians 4.4 calls the devil the God of this world, the God of this age. And many people don't necessarily think about this every day, but if you're a non-Christian, you are marching to the beat of a drum of a different God. Because if the true God's not your Lord, then you have a different master. And some of them might say, well, I'm the master of my own ship. Well, then you're your own God. Maybe you shave your God every morning or curl her hair. (laughs) But the point is the same. And it was a point of enslavement. I've talked to many people over the years about Jesus and about being free. I had one guy outside of a gym tell me, he goes, I'm, I'm happy in my non-Christian life because I do what I want to do. And hey, at least he was honest, right? I was in a school parking lot. I had just taught some fourth and fifth graders in an outreach program we had. And there was a teacher getting into her car. And I began to try to witness to her. I asked her if she went to church and she said, oh, no. And she got some attitude. She said, oh, no, I don't go to church. I have become an atheist. You should try it one day. It's very freeing. And she slammed her car door in my face. Have a nice day. (laughs) God bless you. You you seem to be free from your anger. (laughs) Because you don't even know me, and all I did was mention Jesus, and you're slamming car doors in my face. Try it sometime. It makes you free. (laughs) Oh. Why would anyone choose to be back under bondage after being set free? One writer says, perhaps because traveling in that direction, going back to bondage, requires little, if any, faith. It's familiar territory. Think of the children of Israel. There they are, hundreds of years in Egyptian bondage. They're finally set free. They've been crying out to God, deliver us, deliver us, deliver us. Here comes the deliverer, Moses. Ten plagues on Egypt. The last one is the the Passover. The blood of the lamb saves people if it's on the doorpost and lentil. Out they go with the treasures of Egypt. As they're leaving Egypt, the Egyptians are burying their dead in full view. There wasn't one Egyptian household where there wasn't somebody dead. They're burying their dead in graves, and I'm sure that was quite a process, as Israel's going out triumphantly. To the edge of the Red Sea they go, and God opens the sea and parts it and makes the the, uh, ground dry. Victory, praises, the Lord is exalted. The horse and rider have been cast into the sea. The Lord is a mighty warrior. The Lord is his name. You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. Living Truth Christian Fellowship in Corona, California, the church behind Walk in Truth where Michael Lance serves as senior pastor, must resort to live streaming their Wednesday night and Sunday morning services. If your church isn't able to live stream their service, we invite you to fellowship with us from the comfort of your home during this unfortunate time. Visit walkintruth.com. That's walkintruth.com. Please take the time to visit our website, walkintruth.com, to learn more about the program and If you've been listening for some time and appreciate what the program has to offer, would you please consider giving a small donation? Walk in Truth is a listener-supported ministry, and we're able to broadcast on this station and do the podcast because of that support. 
That's also how we're able to do our 633 apologetic events for free. If you're a new listener, please don't give. We're just blessed that you're listening. But if you've been listening for a while, can you give $5 today? We believe that the Lord is faithful, and your $5 donation will go a long way to help us keep this ministry going. You can give your $5 donation when you visit walkintruth.com and click on Donate. That's walkintruth.com and click on Donate. Life on the go can make it difficult to catch up on your study in the Bible. If you think about it, Walk in Truth with Pastor Michael Lance is here for you kind of like a daily supplement to help your spiritual growth. You can listen to Walk in Truth whenever you want because it's on podcast too. Subscribe to Walk in Truth on your favorite podcast app. For example, if you have an iPhone, we're on your iPodcast app already on your phone. Walk in Truth is also on iHeartRadio, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and many more. So listen on your hike, during your drive, or while you're getting work done at a coffee shop. Basically, listen whenever you want. Subscribe to the Walk in Truth podcast, available on your favorite podcast app. We'd love to see who's listening, so please connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Just do a search for Walk in Truth Show. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance, right here on Walk in Truth. There wasn't one Egyptian household where there wasn't somebody dead. They're burying their dead in graves, and I'm sure that was quite a process, as Israel's going out triumphantly. To the edge of the Red Sea they go, and God opens the sea and parts it and makes the the, uh, ground dry. Victory praises. The Lord is exalted. The horse and rider have been cast into the sea. The Lord is a mighty warrior. The Lord is his name. But it didn't take long. Until things got a little bit difficult in the desert. <laughs> if you're a VeggieTale fan, it goes like this. We didn't have a lot of fun in the desert. <laughs> All right? And they... <laughs> Sorry, but anyway. Consider Israel. After being delivered in the ways I've described, and there's much more that could be say- said, Liberated from Egyptian bondage, they wanted to go back. Confronted with a difficult wilderness transition, says one writer, they wanted to turn back. They said, would that we were in Egypt. Numbers 14, 3 and 4 says, would it not be better for us to return to Egypt? So they said to one another, let's appoint a leader and return to Egypt. Let's go back to slavery. This is tough out here in the desert. I want you to key on the word transition. Sometimes transitions are tough, right? And the desert was a transitionary period of time. It shouldn't have taken as long as it did, <laughs> but it took how long? 40, 40 years is a long time. But they, they made it that long because they kept messing up. It shouldn't have taken that long. It should have taken a relatively short period of time. Transitions are just that. They're transitions. And yes, they can be uncomfortable. But brethren, if this applies to you, hang in there. Don't turn back to Egypt. What? Think about it. Think it through for a second. We're going back to Egypt. For what? Because there's steak dinners there. Yeah, but you're going to be doing mud dances while taskmasters whip you on the back, and you'll be in slavery. You're going back to slavery. Yeah, but you get onions when you order your hamburger. (laughs) Say what? But this is kind of what we do. We romanticize the old life. Being a Christian is hard. 
Remember those times where you wished you'd wear the lampshade on our head at the party? And it... Yeah. Remember the late into the night what happened in the next morning? When you knelt before the porcelain god in a way that you shouldn't have been? Think it through. You see, they had been converted from enslavement to false gods in rapid fire. They were imprisoned under sin, Galatians 3.22, held captive under the law, Galatians 3.23, enslaved under the elemental principles, Galatians 4.3, slaves to, the, to those which by nature are not gods, Galatians 4.8. Psalm 96 says, verse 5, for all the gods of the peoples are idols, but the Lord, by contrast, made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and beauty are in his sanctuary. Why would you go back to an idol pounded out with human hands? Who, though they have eyes, they cannot see. Though they have ears, they cannot hear. Though they have a mouth, they cannot speak. God says to his own people, caught in the cycle of idolatry, cry out to them next time you need help. See what they do for you. And we know what our old slave masters did to us, I know what they did to me. I know where they left me. I know the regret and the emptiness that I felt over and over again by serving those old gods. But the devil gets us to focus just on a few things instead of the big picture. Psalm 106.36 says, Israel served their idols which became a snare to them. They even sacrificed their sons and their daughters to the demons. Psalm 106, verse 37. These idols made Israel do such unthinkable things that God, in human language, says, you did things that didn't even enter into my mind that someone could do such things. Your idols will take you farther than you ever wanted to go. And that is what we need to remember when we're tempted to go back. And we are. Jeremiah 16, 20. Jeremiah says, can, can man make gods for himself? Yet they are not gods. Therefore, behold, I'm going to make them know. This time I will make them know my power and my might. And they shall know that my name is the Lord. Jeremiah 16, 20 and 21. And Jonah, from the belly of the sea monster, decided to pray. And what was Jonah doing? Running away from God. <laughs> and he's in the belly of the sea monster. And Jonah prayed, and he says these words. Those who regard vain idols forsake their faithfulness, their loyal love. Idols are called many times in the Bible vain because they're like a vapor. They pass away quickly. They are empty. They don't give, idols don't give, they take, take, and take some more. Amen? And Paul says, why would you do that? Why would you go back to slavery? God's given you not the spirit of slavery, Romans 8.15, but the, the spirit of sonship. He doesn't want you to have a spirit of fear. And many people are held hostage by their fears. And so verse 9 says, but now that you have come to know God, or rather to be known by God, how can you turn back, this is the ESV, again to the weak and worthless elementary principles of the world, whose slaves you want to be once more? Now that you know God, how can you turn back? The word for return is epistrepho in Greek. 
It's a word often used for turning to Christ, to being converted. But here, it's used in the opposite sense. It's turned on its head. So that epistrepho here means turning back away from God to the old ways. And I don't think that we have to think very long to consider some faces maybe that you've known along this journey that are nowhere to be found now, though they made a Christian confession. And you might say, well, where are they now? Probably in some form of servitude to their old gods. You've been listening to Two Steps Forward, One Step Back, part two on Walk in Truth. Pastor Michael's teaching in Galatians 4, verses 8 through 11. And don't forget, if you missed any part of today's program, you can listen to Walk in Truth whenever you like on the podcast. You can listen on the Living Truth app or on your favorite podcast app, like iPodcast, iHeartRadio, you know all of them. You could even listen to some of these episodes in Galatians that you might have missed. So you can listen to the Walk in Truth podcast while you're just going about your day, doing something around the house, maybe driving in the car. Anytime you're out and about, you can have your headphones on listening to Walk in Truth. And if you listen to our show on iPodcast or iTunes, could you do us a favor and make sure you leave us a rating? The better our ratings get, the more people see the program, the more people hear the word. So we'd appreciate it if you did that. And remember... You can listen to Walk in Truth on the Living Truth app or wherever you get your podcasts. Now, here's Pastor Michael. Well, you may have heard the term backsliding, and it almost gives me this picture of someone who's fallen and maybe sliding down a hill in like a maybe a little mud river or something like that, out of control. But you know, backsliding is not something that's just totally out of control. Oh, I backslid. I don't know what happened to me. I just, I just fell and I slid. No, it doesn't work that way. See, backsliding is really an intention. It's moving away from what you know is right. (laughs) We like to put terms on it so it makes us a little bit more neutral. But the truth is when we backslide, it's because we step back. Instead of stepping forward, we step back. Now, here's the good news. There's hope for backsliders. And the Bible acknowledges backsliding. And the hope is step back to where you need to be. Some of you need to step back into the church, step back into your Bible, step back into a right relationship with your spouse, step back into a right situation in terms of honesty or repentance. Uh, It's not that complicated. I think for most of us, we know what it means to step back, but we're often afraid or to be quite candid. We don't want to give up our sin. And so stepping back to where we need to be means I'm going to acknowledge I took a step backward. I don't want to be here anymore. I'm stepping forward. And by the way, anytime you move towards God, he promises to move towards you. So if you say, Lord, I'm tired of sliding backwards. I don't want to go here anymore. I don't like what it's doing to me and my family, dot, dot, dot. Step toward him. He will step toward you. That's what the book of James tells us. He is so faithful. And if you want to take a step back to church, a step back to your Bible, look, there's hope for you, but take the step. Don't wait anymore. The enemy is going to tell you to wait, but God says, no, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. I'd like to talk to you about our next 633 event. It's happening on August 16th. 
Our 633 events are special apologetics nights, kind of a a defense of the historic Christian faith. And we try to deal with a relevant topic of the time. And there's so many right now, but a big deal of what's going on right now is racial tension, protests. Uh, I think the church is trying to figure out what it's supposed to do in this time. And and we all have a heart to see healing and to see uh, progress and reconciliation where it's needed and um, truth and understanding and, and most of all, love. And so we have a special event coming up. It's happening at Living Truth Christian Fellowship in the city of Corona, where I serve as senior pastor. And it's called Race, Injustice, and the Gospel of Critical Theory. That's a big title. It's going to be a night that tries to bring illumination and understanding with a special uh, couple of guests that we'll tell you about as we get a little bit closer. But this is happening on Sunday, August the 16th. Mark your calendar. It will be live streamed on our YouTube channel at Living Truth Christian Fellowship. And you can get there by going to walkintruth.com and clicking on the church tab. Uh, We'll also be hosting the event live here at Living Truth in Corona. And you can get info and directions the same way, walkintruth.com. Click on the church tab. Hey, keep that event in prayer. Uh, Thank you for praying for us and supporting us. We're so glad to be partnering with you and walking with the Lord together. We'll see you tomorrow. And before you go, Walk in Truth is a listener-supported program. If you could donate just $5, that would help us broadcast on the radio, provide the podcast, and do free apologetic events. So if you can donate, please donate at walkintruth.com. And join us tomorrow for part three of Pastor Michael's teaching in Galatians chapter 4, 8 through 11, called Two Steps Forward, One Step Back. I'm Mike Massaro. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth today. It's our goal to equip you to reach out with God's truth to all people.